Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Epic Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today's show, we are talking about the Tenancy Tribunal. We've got a case study for you. And this is going to show you just the lengths that you've got to go to in order to terminate a tenancy in some instances. And I hope what this episode really gives you as well is an appreciation that not everything goes to plan. I know sometimes you guys have said, hey, you make property investment sound so easy. But look, <laughs> not everything always goes to plan. It's easy when you know, and it's easy when you've done it before, but it's not always easy. Now, just a wee warning is that there are going to be some light descriptions of violence in here. So if that's a bit squeamish for you, just head on to the next episode. It doesn't get too graphic, but just wanted to let you know. Now, Andrew, tell us the story. Set the scene for us of this tenancy tribunal ruling. What went wrong here with this tenancy? So the investment property was located in Tokoroa, which has got a population of 13,000. It's in South Waikato district. And this was a property that was managed by the landlord directly. So the owner actually self-managed this property. And there was a fixed term tenancy signed. Now, what resulted was there was a whole lot of antisocial behaviour going on, which is a relatively new term, which, when did that come into place? Was it this year? I can't remember now. We do so many of these things. Well, I think it's been around for a while, but it's become more of a thing because you cannot cancel or you can't yes. end a tenancy agreement based on antisocial behaviour anymore, based on, to, without you, having a cause. And so if yeah. there was a a reason to get rid of your tenant uh, because of antisocial behaviour, you've now got to prove it. Yeah, that's it. And so the landlord has been actually providing these antisocial behaviour notices, <laughs> which didn't go down so well. So one day the landlord turns up to give the second notice of offence, and the person living at the property who was not the tenant said, F off, or I'll give you a F in hiding. And actually, as a result of this antisocial behaviour, one of the neighbours and we think this was an adjoining unit, maybe owned by the same person, decided to move out because of the behaviour. And it doesn't stop there. So first, a car of three men pulled up outside the house, came into the house and violently beat up the man who told the landlord to go away, which actually turned out was part of a gang depatching. <laughs> then there was another instance where the same man was seen fighting with others because of a gang reinitiation. So, well, so he, he, <laughs> can't make, he can't did, make up his he, mind whether or not he wants to be in or out. Well, he didn't learn his lesson, did he? I mean, look, you've, it's actually so sad. You've got to laugh or you're crying. But I think that this is pretty horrific stuff. And one thing that is quite good, at least, and we'll come to this as well, is that there was video evidence of both of these acts of violence, that which was actually happening out on the front lawn of this property, rather than inside. So the neighbour was able to get some video evidence of this. So what does the landlord do? They apply to the tenancy tribunal to end that fixed-term tenancy. And remember, when you apply to the tenancy tribunal, you've got to have some grounds. And I mean grounds in law. So they applied under three grounds to end this tenancy. The first was Section 55 of the RTA, the Residential Tenancies Act, which was around antisocial behaviour. Then there was Section 40 of that same Act, which was around unlawful activity. And we'll tell you in a second what that alleged unlawful activity was. And then again, Section 55, assault. So the landlord went in and said, 
look, hopefully I can get this tenancy terminated. Let me have three goes under three different sections to see if I can get this tenancy ended through the adjudicator. Now, what the adjudicator's got to do here is they're going to go through each of these one by one and evaluate each of these claims. So they're going to evaluate antisocial behavior and then unlawful activity and then assault. So we'll take you through that now because this is going to give you a really good appreciation of how the tenancy tribunal works. Andrew, how did the claim for antisocial behavior go? So the landlord actually had a lot of evidence around this, which is great. There were videos and photos taken from the neighbours, and there were written accounts confirming that this had happened. But the antisocial behaviour provisions only apply to periodic tenancies, not fixed term, which is terrible. So it means that the adjudicator can't end the tenancy on this basis. And this is the interesting thing. In the tribunal ruling, it says this. The landlord has provided lots of evidence. I'm convinced that it's happened but I can't actually end the tenancy on that basis. I didn't even know that was the case, Andrew. Does that surprise you? That the, no, it's uh, a surprise to me. I didn't know that either. I was very surprised, but that's what it says in the official ruling. Now let's come across to the claim for illegal activity, and I think this is going to raise your eyebrows significantly. So the landlord was claiming that drugs had been used, sold, or supplied at the property, which is obviously illegal. Now the adjudicator agreed that if it were the case, if it were the case that drugs had been used, sold or supplied, that they would have the ability to end the tenancy. But the landlord didn't have enough evidence to say that was the case. So because there was no evidence of illegal activity going on, the adjudicator couldn't end the tenancy on this basis. So this is see how we're going through the different sections that are being alleged by the landlord, where the landlord's coming and saying, can I end the tenancy on this basis? And the adjudicator is saying, well, no, you can't because you don't have evidence that they consumed any drugs on the property. You don't have any evidence that they sold drugs on the property. It might have happened because there appears to be some gang activity. I'd go out on a limb and say, you know what, it probably did happen, but that's just a, a, a guess and a stereotype, not based in evidence. If you're listening to this on your motorcycle and you're part of a gang, you can track down Ed and Remuera. No, 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 no. I live at 123 Smith Street. Actually, no, what's your address, Andrew? 120. No, I won't say it on the podcast. That would be a good one, actually. Now, let me ask you this, Andrew. Do you know what, Andrew? I mean, just as a wee aside, maybe we should target the gang community because they've got lots of money. You know what I mean? Yeah, not money that meets the anti-money laundering side of things. But uh, yeah, great. Lots Another great <laughs> idea from you. Lots of income, but none of it provable in the bank size. Low dock loans might be needed. We shouldn't joke about this sort of stuff because it's not good. <laughs> Gangs cause obviously a lot of terror in the community. Now, Andrew, <laughs> let me ask you this. What's it? You can't laugh at that, <laughs> Andrew. No, it's, just, it's become a public service announcement. <laughs> oh, Oh, please send your hate mail to andrew.nicholadopuspartners.co.nz. Now, Andrew, let me ask you this. What sort of evidence would the landlord need to provide, though, in order to substantiate this claim of illegal activity? Well, to be useful in court, it does need to be solid evidence, not just something circumstantial. So I'm thinking something like a positive meth test or a police report would be the only way that you could actually prove this. Sorry, it's just pause here because he's eating black grapes, the superior grape. Now, 
I 100% agree with you, Andrew, both that the grapes are superior, <laughs> but also that it is quite hard to prove that claim. Now, let's come down to that claim for assault. So how did that claim go? So uh, threatening assault is actually treated the same as physically undertaking assault. And so the person threatening the assault when the landlord tried to serve the notice is actually very serious. But again, there's no evidence that the tenant had committed, threatened or or permitted the assault to happen. She wasn't in any of the video evidence. It was someone else who was living at the property. But fortunately, some silver lining for this poor landlord. The person who had committed the assault was still living at the property, and it was assumed that the tenant knew about the assault, so therefore the adjudicator came to the conclusion that the assault was likely to happen again and the tenancy was terminated on this basis, which is just amazing because so much stuff for the landlord to have to go through, and it was only on this last little piece that they were able to terminate the contract. I agree. The level of detail you've got to go through in order to end a tenancy is just quite enormous. And it raised some questions as well. Well, what would have happened if the neighbour hadn't been so helpful? What if the neighbour didn't provide that amount of evidence with the videos and the written accounts and any photos? Then the landlord, because that landlord's not next door necessarily living there, experiencing it themselves, how are they going to be able to get the evidence in order to be able to end the tenancy? The other question it raises is, well, what would have happened if the person engaging in assault had moved out of the property but still visited regularly? So let's say the person who was causing these violent instances, I don't know, moved to a different property, but then still came around and were causing these issues. Now, there's still an argument to say, well, the tenant permitted the person to come on the property, some of those things. But again, it shows you the level of detail you've got to go through. But I do think, Andrew, that what we should say here, and we should point out, is while this is such an awful situation to be in, the landlord did quite a few things right. So what did the landlord do that was right that everybody listening to this show can keep in mind? Well, I think the biggest part was the record-keeping side of things. So they were firstly brave enough to keep serving the antisocial behaviour notices. They kept the neighbours on side, despite the fact that they're living through this trauma, and used them to collect evidence. They were organised enough to have the neighbour provide written statements, and they were organised enough to keep good records of what notices were sent and when they were sent. So whilst they had to deal with all this drama, and, and it would have been traumatic for them dealing with this themselves, particularly because they were managing the property themselves, they didn't stress about it so much that they failed to keep good records and, and just get frustrated. And let me ask you this as well. What are some of the things people listening to the show could do to avoid the situation? Because there are going to be some people who are maybe thinking about purchasing their first investment property, but are thinking, oh, hell no. If this is what being a <laughs> landlord is like, I am not getting into this situation. So what look, can people th- do to avoid it? Look, I think the best thing you can do is the stuff at the start. So your product selection. So what house you buy, what type of property you're buying is a major part of who you're going to get to rent it. That goes the same with location. So choose a location you know is probably going to be okay. And you can't guarantee the outcome of who you're going to have apply to live in a house. But one of my investors that I deal with in Christchurch, she owns a property in an in area which is just basically ruled by gangs and, and she's had no end of trouble. So, you know, you need to start thinking about this kind of thing. The tenant screening's a big part. Use a property manager. Have them do this for you. We don't know what checks the landlord did in this instance, but my guess is they're not going to do as much of an extensive check as a professional property manager would. And is there anything else? Is there anything you could put 
into a tenancy agreement in order to give yourself more of an out. So if I say put in a clause into my tenancy agreement that said You hey, can't deal there's... drugs from the house and beat up to people. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. No, is there any No. <laughs> there's no clause you can put in. No. Oh, it's a tough life for the property investors, eh? <laughs> Well, just before we wrap up, Andrew, I think you had a quote you wanted to read out. Oh, yeah, I did. I had a message on Instagram the other day, which I thought was great, which was from HB Exterior Plastering. Actually, he was replying to my Instagram because I'd pranked Lauren a yet again. And he said, got to give you a shout out while I've got your attention, mate. We bought our first investment property about four months ago, and a lot of it is down to you boys and that your expert knowledge. Can't wait to keep in touch and grow the portfolio more as soon as we can, which I thought was awesome. Oh, and, that, what um, a beautiful you, thing. What a beautiful Which is thing. great. Now, if you do want to follow the Instagram page, it's opus underscore partners, O-P-E-S underscore partners. And if you want to see me prank Lauren, it's Andrew Nickel, N-I-C-O-L underscore. Fantastic. Now, just for everybody out there, can you please misspell his name with and put an H in it and then message him and say that and say that you can't find it? It would give it would bring me great joy. I'm actually I'm thinking about changing my name to just add an H into it just so that everyone can get it right. Well, fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, check out our YouTube channel because every Wednesday we release a brand new video at 10am to teach you something new about property investment right here in New Zealand. Tap or swipe over the cover art, there'll be a link in there to subscribe or just Google Opus Partners YouTube, it'll be the first thing that comes up. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy Podcast, I'm your host Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most property market. Until next time.